you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them, please, to the book of Isaiah? Specifically, Isaiah 59. We're going to be talking about the nation of Israel. We're going to be talking about the United States of America. We're going to be talking about any and all nations that have ever been or shall ever be, including those right now. The Word of God is forever. Title of our message, America Has Been Wounded. Will America Die? Isaiah 59, the prophet Isaiah, to a nation that had walked away from God. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, beginning in verse 1, that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But there is a problem. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you when you pray. Your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perversiveness. No one calls for justice, nor does anyone plead for the truth. They trust in vain things, and they speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. That's as Isaiah's description of the leadership of Israel, and by and large, the people of Israel in his day, as he is warning them that God is losing patience and judgment's coming, lest they change. James Garfield was our country at country's 20th president, four months into his presidency, Garfield was shot twice by a would-be assassin hiding in a railroad depot. One of the bullets just grazed his arm, superficial wound, but the other bullet entered his body and could not be found. Garfield was rushed to the White House, and there a team of 16 doctors and surgeons were assigned to his case and began to look for the bullet that was in his body but could not be found. As they began to search for the missing bullet, a surgeon found a hole in Garfield's side. He surmised that that's where the bullet entered, and he began to dig into that hole with an unsterilized hand and instruments. Sterilization wasn't known much in that day. And he kept digging and digging and digging, but he could not find the bullet. Another surgeon came on duty. He decided that he would try. So he wallowed the hole out even more. He went deeper than the other fellow. 
So much, in fact, that he actually punctured Garfield's liver. After these two surgeons, several other surgeons also made attempts to find that bullet and remove it. Because they believed that bullet was going to kill him. And because of their efforts, a small hole the size of a dime now become a gaping hole the size of an egg. A wound that was originally three inches in length now became 20 inches in length. And the large hole that they made in him, with their hands and with their instruments digging in there, began to ooze infection. The infection got so bad that it got into Garfield's blood system. And his heart couldn't take it. President James Garfield died of a massive heart attack on September 19, 1881. He was only in office 180 days. An autopsy was done of the president's body. And they found the bullet. It had went into a protective cavity outside of his spinal cord it would have been no danger to him whatsoever. He died because doctors misdiagnosed and mistreated his wound. Why do I tell you that? It's a good history lesson. But you know, history is not just about the past, it's about the present. America has been wounded by Satan's assassins. Who am I speaking of? I'm speaking of the political globalist, the religious ecumenicalist, the economic socialist, who have a desire to kill the sovereignty of America, who seek to kill the superpower nation that we are, And as our nation has been shot by these assassins and our nation is weakened, dirty hands, unsanctified, unsterilized hands of inept, incompetent leadership has taken the small wounds from these assassins and widened them to gaping holes that are oozing with infection. America is sick, and America is dying before our very eyes. And those who are supposed to watch over us, and treat us, and heal us, are killing us. We are nearly $20 trillion in debt as a nation. And absolutely no way of ever repaying it. And one day our creditors are going to demand payment. Or they're going to cease to give us any more credit. Millions of illegals are in our country. And nobody knows who they are. Nobody knows where they're at. And nobody seems to care. 
Tens of thousands of churches, houses of God are closing their doors every single year because they lack people, they lack resources, they lack money, or they lack all of it. Our brave military has been filled with political cronies. And these political cronies are yes-men to administrations that do not care about our freedom and liberty. And they've depleted our military where we, our men and women who serve us do not adequately have resources, weapons, or manpower to do what we ask them to do. Cities are all across our country are seeing their infrastructure fall apart. And their crime rates are soaring. And to make matters even worse, terrorists have come to America. We've seen the slaughter of these terrorists. We've seen what they've done over there. Well, now over there is over here. Just about anybody in law enforcement will tell you, it's coming. It's coming to malls and to schools and to churches and to sport venues and to restaurants. And we don't even have leadership that will call them by name. But you know what is even a greater problem? Not just leadership, but maybe you and I and the American people who refuse to turn to Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ in America 2016, out there and sometimes in his own church, the Lord Jesus Christ is by and large ignored, mocked, ridiculed, cursed, or blasphemed by a generation of stiff-necked, closed-minded, hard-headed people. Because what I've told you is known. It's been known. And yet the American people do nothing to change it. And the beat goes on. One day the heart of America is going to stop beating. And America will be pronounced dead. And the autopsy will be, we were not killed by anyone else. We committed suicide. We killed ourselves. We killed ourselves in apathy, ineptness. In our text, we're looking at another nation, the nation of Israel. Isaiah was the Billy Graham to the nation of Israel. He was the prophet of the time. His message was loud and his message was clear. His message was repeated over and over and over again to four different kings. Some of them listened. Most of them didn't. What was his message? Repent, Israel or you will perish. 
Israel's problem is really our problem. It's called sin. Now in our text, he mentions two specific sins that Israel was committing on top of everything else that was going to be what we call tipping point sins. In other words, if they didn't stop this, these sins were going to go tip them over the edge of the judgment of God. All sin is not equal in the eyes of God. There are several sins that anger Him more than any. And the two that are mentioned here are worth noting as we gather here today. Notice in verse 3, your hands have defiled, your hands are defiled with what? Blood. And your fingers with iniquity. Your hands. Israel, look at your hands, says the prophet. They're bloody. Look at your fingers. They are filled with murderings. When Isaiah was writing this to the nation of Israel, life was cheap in Israel. The young, the infants, were being sacrificed by the thousands to idols in hope of gaining favor from that dead idol. If you go back and look at the history, you'll find thousands upon thousands upon thousands of stone caskets that those little babies were put in after they were sacrificed to idols. Can you imagine that a society that would take its young and lay them down on altars and slay them to worship false gods and goddesses. It was taking place in Israel. Not only were the young being sacrificed and cheapened, but so were the other end of the spectrum, the elderly. In Isaiah's day, the elderly were being forgotten and they were being forsaken. They were being told to fend for themselves. They have nothing to offer anymore to the nation. They had become a burden to their families. And so the elderly were pushed out into the streets. And many of them would starve. Many of them would die from exposure to the elements or sickness or disease. Not only was the old being sacrificed and cheapened. Not only was the young being sacrificed and cheapened, but the handicapped and the deformed and the challenged were also of no value in that day. And they were set aside to die. The religious leaders said they were born that way because God cursed them. So even if they lived, they weren't, would not have any access to the worship of God because they were considered unclean. And on top of all of that, they were innocent people, defenseless people, 
who were being murdered by the marauding thugs and punks of that day. And this shedding of innocent blood of the young, of the elderly, of the handicapped or deformed or those who are innocent and defenseless angered God. You see, God is a God of life. And when He looks upon a nation or He looks upon a people who so callously treat life and cheapen life and take life with no regard, it fires God up. And He's fired up at Israel at what He sees taking place among a people who know better but won't do better. I don't think it takes much education to compare what I just said to our nation right now. This nation looks upon life cheap. Sixty million babies have died in their mother's womb since 1973. Sixty million babies slaughtered in their mother's womb because they were considered an inconvenience or a hardship or it stressed out the family to have to have them. What about our elderly in this country? Oh, our government's very clever. Those death panels you heard about when they were debating about health insurance is really true. Because there's bureaucrats now that will decide when you get a certain age what kind of treatment you're going to get. If you're 75 years old and you need a lot of treatment for your cancer, there might be a bureaucrat who one day will say, listen, you're not worth that. Take two aspirins and God bless you. Many doctors will already tell you they can't doctor anymore because they have to answer to people who know nothing about medicine. All they are is number crunchers. The elderly are no longer valued in this country. The unborn are no longer valued. And American cities now have become war zones. For those of you who served in Vietnam or in Desert Storm, you would have a hard time recognizing the difference in those places and in Chicago, Illinois. The murder rate in Chicago is, is outrageous. And all they want to talk about is taking the guns away from people who defend themselves. And the gangs run rampant. What has happened to America? The prophet spoke to Israel. He said, God is angry at your bloody hands. You better wash them. You better cleanse them in the blood of the Lamb. And then he mentions a second sin that's interesting in verse 3. He says, your lips have spoken what? 
your tongue hath muttered perversiveness. Perversiveness means profanity, vulgarity, trash, sewage. The nation of Israel in Isaiah's day lacked men and women of integrity. Integrity, that's your character. That's what you are when nobody can see you but God. Your testimony is what you say about yourself. Your reputation is what others say about you. But your character, your integrity, is what God says about you. And when God looked at the leadership of the nation of Israel, He saw leaders, He saw men and women who were liars and cheats. Can you imagine that? Men and women in office who have no integrity, who have no character, who it's all about them. It's not about the people who elected them or put them in position to serve. And out of their mouths come nothing but deceitfulness and ignorance and foolishness and profanity and vulgarity and vanity and pride. They talk about humanism, man is God. They talk about relativism, man can make the rules because he is God. They talk about materialism, money is our goal, things is our toys. They talk about Darwinism, man comes from a monkey. They talk about Esoterism, if you want to know the truth, you've got to connect with spirit masters who will teach you the truth. They talk about eroticism, pornography and sexual perversion as if it's normal. That's what was going on in Israel. Everything that was good had been made bad. Everything that was holy had been made blasphemous. Everything that was light had been turned to dark. There was no truth to be found in Israel. If you look at verse 14, there's a little statement there that's interesting. Isaiah says, for truth is fallen in the street. Truth has been shot down in the street. She's dead in Israel. As we look at our country, has there ever been a time in our history when our leadership has been so bad? You say, Pastor, are you a Republican? No. Are you a Democrat? No. Are you a Libertarian? No. I'm just a Christian American who believes that we need men and women in office of integrity, no matter what they want to call themselves or label themselves. But because... The American people have allowed it, have allowed it. The schoolhouses, the church houses, the courthouses, and the White House are filled with people who lie, cheat, and steal and think nothing of it. Sometimes people want to talk to me about presidential things, and I don't normally get involved in it. 
you know, as your pastor, I, I believe that I have to minister to both sides of the aisle. And if I take sides, then it shuts me out the other. But I think we would all agree that what we've got running for president, we deserve. It's just a sorry state of our country when a prideful, arrogant, boastful man and a lying, cheating woman are the only things we got to choose from. God help this country. Isaiah said it in chapter 5, verse 20 through 23, these interesting words, even before he got to this. He said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Wow. Did Israel listen to its prophet? No. And it wouldn't be long after the prophet Isaiah prophesied this words that Israel would be judged by God. Judged by God. Up until that time, they were just suffering the consequences of their sin. But finally, God got enough of it. And He brought direct judgment from Himself against His people. And broke the nation up into pieces. This morning in closing, this is not a long message. We would all agree America has been wounded. And everything we've tried to do to fix this country has only opened up the wound worse. That wound is now oozing with infection. That infection is getting into the very bloodline of this nation. And if something doesn't change, one day they will pronounce America did. And our run as an empire will be over. Will it happen under our watch? That's the question. Will you and I turn to God, our greatest hope? Or will we just sit here and say amen and leave and do nothing like we normally do? And the God who is our only hope will become the God who will be our judge. Somebody said something I think is worth noting. The hottest parts of hell are reserved for those who do nothing in a time of crisis. Our nation is in crisis. And you and I who are Americans, you and I who are born again Christian Americans, we can do some things 
Although you might think they be small, you can take snowflakes that are small, but if you get enough of them, you can cause a lot of mess. Well, you can take a few Christians, but if they get to be a bunch of you, we can have some impact. What can you and I do as we see all of this taking place before our eyes other than just moan and groan and complain and blame? Well, first of all, we can vote. I know that may sound small, but listen, we can vote. Do you know that most people are elected to office by a minority? Most people don't even vote. Most people aren't even registered to vote. You need to get registered to vote, and you need to vote in this upcoming election. We need to choose candidates not based upon what party they are or what label they carry, but we need to choose men and women of integrity. There's men and women of integrity on all, in all parties and vice versa. And you need to know the candidates and you need to vote for men and women that espouse our values and our virtues, men and women that will tell us the truth, who are honest, who will not take from us, but will serve us. You can vote, and if you're not registered to vote, you're part of the problem. You say, well, pastor, this is, that's just, this is just local stuff. Well, listen, local stuff makes state stuff. And state stuff makes regional stuff. And regional stuff makes national stuff. You can vote. And you should vote, and you ought to vote. If we would have turned out and voted in the last presidential election, we would have had a different president. We sat on our hands. Secondly, we can witness the truth to people as God so gives opportunity and opens doors. There's a deception across this country. There's a darkness across this country. And we're the light. We're the truth. We can go out and talk to people. As God gives the opportunity, we don't have to force it. God will open the door. He will give the opportunity. And as He does so, we need to witness to people. We need to tell them of, of God's love. We need to tell them of God's truth. We need to share the gospel with them. The Bible says to us to go. It doesn't say sit. He says, go. It doesn't say wait on them to come to you. It says, go. The gospel has go in it. God has go in him. And we should have go in us. Can you imagine what would happen to this church? I've said it many times. If each one of you made a conscientious effort to win one person to Jesus or get one person who's outside the church here, we would double in size. Just make an effort. And, if we, and in doing that, we not only grow our church, but we change America. When people know the truth, they'll be set free from the deception and the darkness. Thirdly, we can give to support missions. 
So this gospel truth can not only be here, but it can go around the world. Because our world is deceived and in darkness too. And we are our brother's keeper. We are responsible for the, the, the community called mankind and whether those people hear the truth. We are responsible. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So make giving to missions a part of your giving. That not only will we meet our goal, but we'll be able to, to do more than we've ever imagined this year. We've got $45,000 in extra requests before us right now. I don't know how to tell these people no. Because all of them are legitimate and I'm just praying that God will provide not only our goal, but more. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't open your mouth. I know that. But how do you tell no to somebody who has a legitimate work and they need help? You say, if you know how, I'll let you tell them. We can give to missions that the truth can be known around the world. And yes, we can also use some of that mission money to get the truth out here. And you and I can tell the truth to individuals as they cross our path and God gives us opportunity. And we can vote. And fourthly, we can teach our children and grandchildren the truth and what's right by not only what we say, but what we do. You know, we have a tremendous influence on those little ones. But they don't listen to what we say. They watch what we do. And we got to make sure that what we're saying and doing is consistent with righteousness. Because righteousness exalts a nation. You want to lift America up, start doing what's right and being righteous. Fifthly, we can pray for God to bring a revival to this land. And may that revival begin with you and me. The prophet Jeremiah said, call upon the Lord. Not call upon a party, not call upon a program, not call upon a religion. He said, call upon the Lord and he will answer you. And we need to pray that God will bring a revival, a great awakening to our nation that will give us an opportunity to, to confess and repent of our sins and be blessed again. Gypsy Smith, the great evangelist of old, took a piece of chalk and drew a circle. And then he stepped inside the circle and he said, Lord, let the revival begin with me, the one in the circle. And then may let it go outside the circle to others. As long as we are apathetic, as long as we have sin in our lives, as long as we just go through the motions, how can we dare ask God for revival? It has to begin with us. And then lastly, 
You see, these are simple things we can do. And lastly, we can leave here today and take this message seriously. Because quite frankly, most of you will say, Pastor, that was a fine message. Glad you preached it. And it'll never be remembered again. Do you understand we are stewards and managers of this country that God has given us? And if we don't get on the stick from 8 to 80, our children and grandchildren are not going to have this America if they will have an America at all. If it was just me, I wouldn't worry about it, quite frankly. I can wither the storm. And some of you older ones would probably say the same thing. We're made of pretty good stuff. We can take what's going to come because Jesus is coming soon or or death will take us out. You know, and that's true, but it's a selfish way of looking at it, isn't it? Because I got three sons and three daughters and I got four grandchildren and maybe more coming. I got a grand dog too. (laughs) And what are they going to have? If I leave them a mess. I've got to get busy. And you've got to get busy. Today is the day. Now is the time. America is wounded. Will we finish America? Or will we save America? choice is ours. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.